This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by AutoEntry. By using AutoEntry, you can stop typing data into your accounting system. AutoEntry can turn your stack of paper, be it bills, receipts, bank statements, sales invoices, and vendor statements directly into transactions posted into QuickBooks, Sage, or Xero. Regardless of your small business client engagements, once a year tax-only engagements, write-up or catch-up work, monthly bookkeeping that you do in-house, a client doing bookkeeping themselves, auto-entry is the perfect fit for all of them. Auto-entry can even handle the tricky details like line items, billable costs, customers, jobs, classes, employee expenses or reimbursements, even multi-currency. To learn even more about auto-entry, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.com forward slash auto-entry. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.com forward slash A-U-T-O-E-N-T-R-Y. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. And we're, we're back from conference season. Yeah, they're the first part of the conference season because I think it picks up again towards the end of summer. But uh, There's yes. two seasons, right? There's two the seasons. spring and the fall. Spring and the fall. It's heating up here in uh, in LA, 85 degrees. My son is going to a splash pad with his mom. I just want to rewind. 85 degrees, it's heating up. Yeah. What, what is it for you? Uh, I think it was 107 yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I am I'm, I'm inside. It's nice and air conditioned. I'm sure uh, you're you're in the same situation. All right. Yeah, uh, it's a necessity, right? I actually have a story for you, David. What's this? But I think we should get to the reviews first, and then I'll tell you my my tale of woe. Tell of whoa. All right. Yes. Yeah. So let's do the always. I was always, let's do the reviews. So I have one from uh, June 17th. This is Paul from Method CRM. Five stars, killing three birds with one stone. I blast David and Blake's podcast on my morning cycle downtown to Method's office, keeping me and in parentheses, some cyclist on my route informed to the latest juicy industry news. The Cloud Accounting Podcast saves me the time to seek out and read all the accounting tech updates, and the banter is always entertaining. Listening to David and Blake is my favorite all-in-one life hack. Commute, workout, stay up to date. Keep it up, guys. Paul, founder and CEO of Method.me. That's awesome. Thank you, Paul. I am also a sometime cyclist, so I like listening to podcasts on my way into work, so really great to have you listening. Reading this, it sounds like Paul just has his speaker playing while he's riding his bike. He doesn't actually use headphones. <laughs> yeah, I use AirPods. By all means, if you if you want to blast the Cloud Accounting Podcast on your bike, on the subway, get a really big boombox and just educate the people. Plane flights. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't get kicked off the flight. Thank well, you. Even better. Even better. Get kicked off the flight. And so that you have to say on the news, I was only trying to listen to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Here's a review from Jennifer. Required listening for my class. I teach accounting information systems at a university in Texas. This podcast is totally relevant to the accountants of tomorrow. The topics discussed here are great conversation starters for my class. This will be required listening. I also teach Zero and QBO and love how this podcast covers a variety of areas each week. Keep up the great work. I think that might be my favorite review so far. Like the fact that she's having, Jennifer is having her students listen to us. David, we really have to watch what we say because we are shaping the minds of tomorrow now. I, I, it's, it's actually feels very honorable. It's, 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 I'm a little lost at words. It just shows that we're not just talking to each other, right? Yeah. And people are finding value in this and, uh, it's beyond just saving people time and staying on top of the news, right? They're getting real long-term value out of it. And one more, this is not a review. It's, it's a tweet, but a tweet from somebody very special to us, Ronica Aerosmith of accounting today, the technology editor there. She said, if you're not following Cloud Accounting Pod yet, do it. They're on point and also hilarious. And uh, she retweeted that picture that we took at ZeroCon of us uh, in our action reporter poses. 
you know, if you listen to the podcast and you wonder what we look like, you should go to the show notes because I'm going to put that picture in the show notes uh, this episode. And uh, it's pretty funny. And, and David is wearing the Zero Fanny Pack. Zero Fanny Zero Pack Con. and the Cloud Accounting Podcast shirt. But what's yes. great about that picture is like we were actually really recording and that that recording will be live. Well, I'm sorry, will be released in the podcast feed soon. But we were actually recording and ran over and took a picture and then kept recording. Yep. So that was us actually like in the middle of a, of a live episode where we walked around the, the expo floor at ZeroCon and interviewed people. And, and we asked people, what is advisory? And we got like, I don't know, an inf infinite number of answers. So that'll be a fun episode. Uh, and by the way, I, I did, we did a lot of interviews at ZeroCon. We've got more from Scaling New Heights. I've even still got interviews from accounting salon that I haven't gotten through. And that's my bad. I want to apologize. <laughs> If you were interviewed your, in your story of woe, well, yeah, sort of actually it's related to that. So okay. I, I, you know, I'm very behind on the editing. And part of the reason is that we moved literally, I got back from ZeroCon on Thursday and the movers came on Friday and we, we were, we moved out of our house. The woe part is that we were trying to buy a different house and then we had to back out of that one. So now we, we very quickly arranged alternative housing and we're renting for the moment, but I actually found a way to tie this back to cloud accounting, believe it or not, David. So Which, just before you jump into that, so yeah. you're going to have to, you're renting temporarily. So you're going to have to yeah. move again. Well, so I, well, I don't want to. And here's why. Because I'm actually, we've <gasps> ah. moved in and we're in this really nice apartment complex on Ventura Boulevard. We can walk to like 30 things. I haven't, you know, I haven't been able to do this since college, right? Where I can just like walk everywhere, in a, especially in LA. And I'm renting and I'm thinking, you know what? This is a lot like SaaS. This is like software as a service versus on-premises. You can either rent or you can own. And I've owned a house. And, you know, that was my first house. We owned it for two years. And I hated everything about owning a house. It was the worst. Like every time something would break, I couldn't just call and get it fixed. There's a lot of things about owning a house that's great, but there's a lot that sucks, right? And I think we don't, I don't know, maybe we don't tend to talk about that or there's just this sort of like assumption in, in our country that like, if you're successful, you buy and own a house, like that's what you do, right? And I don't know, maybe it's just not for me, but, or maybe it's changing, but it just like, I love just not having to commit to that, like living there forever. And we're flexible now. We've got everything taken care of. There's a pool, a hot tub. There's a barbecue. I don't have to clean it. I'm kind of liking things right now. That's interesting. Um, there's a, a listener, Matt Rubush. Rubush. Sorry, Matt. Uh, and he has his own podcast. And he's kind of been documenting this journey he's been on where they, like, they uh, downsized. They sold a bunch of their material possessions. And they are starting to rent instead of owning. Mm -hmm. And it's like, hey, I can walk to everything now. It's healthier. Yeah. So uh, maybe you guys are on a trend. Accountants and bookkeepers are starting a new trend of renting. Yeah, it's the subscription economy, right? Uh, and maybe renting is the new buying. I don't know. I, I like it. So now that we're settled in, we've almost got everything set. I'm hoping to get uh, today and tomorrow, get down to business and get some of those uh, interviews out. It's exciting because they, they all came out great. And I'm, I can't wait till everybody gets to hear them. So with that, uh, what is the news this week? Since we're talking about the conference interviews, maybe we can wrap up with a little bit of conference news that, that yeah. didn't justify it on its own episode because there's like just two small pieces of news that were on those last, the last day of Scaling New Heights and the last day of ZeroCon. Mm -hmm. So the news out of Scaling New Heights was next year in 2020, it's going to be held in St. Louis. So that, I've never been to St. Louis. I've maybe I'll get to go. As well. So hopefully we'll be able to do a, a broadcast from the Arch. That would be exciting. You can go in it, I think. I don't know. You like, can? Wow. I, I, I think there's a touristy thing to do. Yes. I'm not positive hmm. though. Uh, maybe get the bungee cord off of it. I, I have no yeah. clue on that. 
Um, and then Zero, uh, ZeroCon had one uh, announcement I thought was interesting. They are launching um, apps.zero.com. So instead of having, it was like zero.com slash marketplace or whatever they had before, it's yeah. going to be apps.zero.com. And the same way Intuit, which years ago switched to using um, apps.intuit.com, right? But it wasn't an instant journey for Intuit either. Intuit had about four different, over a period of three years, four different, URLs for their app marketplace. It was like partner platform and mm-hmm. workspace and marketplace. And finally, like it's pretty obvious the market res- wants just something simple like apps.intuit.com or apps.zero.com. So, well, and it's live. I just went to check it out. It's the zero app marketplace, apps.zero.com. And I, I like the layout. It's nice and simple. Grid form filters on the left hand side for different types of apps. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't look like they changed the site too much. Uh, yeah. It feels like it's definitely the get the domain changed over first, and then they'll make changes from there. Uh, well, I had a bit of follow up from Scaling New Heights, even though I wasn't there. I got to read the follow up articles. Okay, Dan Hood in Accounting Today did a summary uh, called headline is "Make the Move from Trusted to Transformative," and it was about a kickoff session at uh, Scaling New Heights. And uh, you know, you've already covered a lot of this, David, but I just wanted to call out one of the quotes that I really liked from Joe Woodard. He said, "Quote." If the typical QuickBooks Pro Advisor ran a Starbucks, we would encourage customers to bring their own Keurig machines, and then we'd have a shelf of all their different Keurigs carefully labeled, and we'd let each of them tell us how to make their cups of coffee. And I just like that analogy because it so perfectly encapsulates the you know lack of, um, I don't know, bookkeepers, accountants, uh, especially smaller firms, we tend to just let our clients tell us what to do rather than telling them this is how it's going to be, right? And that is what creates a lot of the problems when it comes to standardizing your processes or scaling or anything like that. Because that's when you get people coming in with like an espresso packet and then you cut it open and pour it into a a reusable um, Keurig packet so you can put it in your Keurig. You're you're, you're spending so much time Mm -hmm. moving moving things around when if you just get them to standardize, you can focus on advisory and all these things that we want you to do, but you can't yeah. if you're stuck in that, like, you know, brewing coffee it, custom. And business owners don't want to make all these decisions, right? They want you to help them. So like menu simplicity. So maybe the analogy, if we're going to talk about fast food, then uh, the ideal situation is like in and out Burger, where there's literally three things on the menu. And yes, you can customize them and there's a secret menu and all that stuff, but it's burgers, fries, and shakes. Very simple. And as a parent, like that, that really helps a lot when you're trying to just order food in a hurry. Yes. Your kids don't have a lot of options. They just make a very quick decision. So, um, yeah, uh, so that's basically zero skilling new heights. We've got a bunch of interviews coming out. Uh, Tony Ward's going to drop next. And of course, uh, many, many others. What, what else uh, what should we talk about this week? So, like what, uh, what happened while we were gone? What, we did you know? release the interview with Rich Priest. So that's yes. out there. Uh, that was the previous episode if people want to listen to that. But there are there is some additional, after that interview, there was some new QuickBooks Live news that I discovered that dropped. Okay. What's new with um, QuickBooks so, Live? So a couple of things. One, Rich Priest, in a reply to a tweet, uh, mentioned that they're going to, because people are wondering, kind of like an Uber, right? You get a different Uber driver every single time, no matter mm-hmm. what. You just do. Right. But and so people were like, is that how the bookkeepers are going to work? My QuickBooks Live bookkeepers. Oh, right. Are you going to get a dedicated one or are you going to get a a, a new one every time? Exactly. And he referenced that they're going to use some sort of smaller virtual teams of six to eight people. So you're going to there's going to be some familiarity between those six or eight and the set of clients they're possibly helping the small business owners. So some people will get to know each other. Um, So it's not 
perfectly one-to-one always, but it's also not going to be as random and scattered as yeah. picking up an Uber, an Uber the, driver. This is brilliant. I mean, this is exactly what I was, before I left public accounting, this is what I was aiming for was teams of, it wasn't like six to eight, but teams of you know two to three bookkeepers working on the same clients because that way if somebody's sick or on vacation, you can, somebody else can pick up for them, right? So you don't have that that dependence on one person, but you also have familiarity. So the, I think this is a great thing. This is a great move. And then they uh, they re-released, you know, they've been, Toots uh, had their Firm of the Future blog and they've been putting out a nice monthly update on QuickBooks Live. So they put out a new update. And from what I can tell, the only thing that's in this update is a link to another site. They've actually launched a true QuickBooks Live bookkeeper site, Ooh. advertising for people to earn more money, set your hours and work remotely. So I'm looking uh, at it right now. Yeah. It has an in-depth FAQ. It has a button to sign up. Learn more, become a QuickBooks Live bookkeeper and help small businesses manage their books every month. Make extra money, make more of your time. Make it, so it's like, this is this is the recruit, recruiting site if you want to be a QuickBooks Live uh, bookkeeper. Yeah. So it looks like it moved from, before I think they just had a Google form, maybe they were just capturing people's interest mm-hmm. for the last four months. But now there's an official site launched for um, people that are not familiar with this service or haven't been following the news yet. And if they discover this now, they can uh, learn more and apply. So there's a FAQ at the bottom, like you said, and I just popped open one of these questions. What specific tasks are part of this role? I'm reading this live right now. There's been a lot of questioning about what exactly the scope of services will be for QuickBooks Live. So maybe this is an answer. It says examples of some tasks include setting up their books and chart of accounts, perform monthly categorization, reconciliation, running reports, e.g. balance sheet and P&L statement, closing their books at end of year, and general QuickBooks tasks. So that sounds like pretty much, you know, full service bookkeeping to me. But there's been some discussion, right? Like like question about how exactly what it's going to be, right? Is it are they going to categorize transactions or are they just going to help you when you need help? Yeah, like help you like create rules to categorize those transactions. Or are they going to actually? Are you actually getting in their books and doing that for them? We'll we'll have to get more clarification. But like, if we just go based on this website, then it sounds to me like you know pretty much pretty much not just helping people live like on camera. It, it sounds like doing some work outside of the actual appointments. Yeah, the question or the the FAQ question I found was really interesting. The answer for it is how will I be paid? And it says you will be paid hourly. Pay is determined by regional location, interview, and years of experience. That fits with what I was told at AICPA Engage when I went to the TurboTax Live booth. Uh, I guess maybe it wasn't a TurboTax Live. It was just an Intuit booth where they were recruiting people for both TurboTax Live and QuickBooks Live. And that's exactly what they the rep there told me. She said that it's hourly. It depends on what state you're in. Um, she didn't mention years of experience, but she did mention qualifications. So like if you're a CPA or an EA, like it can change. Uh, so yeah. what's your knowledge of the, so in the the gig economy, right? If I'm an yeah. Uber driver, is that kind of, no matter where I'm at in the country, am I going to get the same rate? How does no, that, no. Because okay. it's a percentage of the, it's a percentage of the the fees and the fees vary dramatically by the city you're in. Like I could not believe how cheap Uber was in Houston versus LA. Okay. It was crazy to me. I mean, this is not scientific, but it felt like half the price. I couldn't believe it. And I, I was like going across town, like, you know, for like 10 bucks. And in LA, that would have been like a 20 or $30 trip. Um, maybe it was just the timing, but uh, I, I would love to find out more about that. I feel like it, it would, it would have to be similar, right? Yeah. And then this kind of uh, yeah. makes me, leads me down that path. Like I'm sure Intuit will measure, right? When you're done with that, 
QuickBooks Live, representative or call, chat, video conference, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. you're going to get that, hey, do you want to rate them one star, two star, three star, four star, five star, rate your experience. But does this lead to that next thing, which is, do you want to give them a tip in the same way Uber and Lyft also do? Oh, interesting. Huh. Wonder if they would think about doing that. And we'll I wonder if small businesses would do that. That would be uh, interesting. So yeah. anyways, everybody should go to that site. It's from what I can tell, brand new, and I haven't seen anybody talk about it yet. So hopefully, uh, maybe this uh, we're, we're breaking that news, possibly. We'll see. Link is in the show notes, along with, uh, I'll put a screenshot in there, too. Yep. So um, I was reading the Wall Street Journal, as I like to do to make myself seem really smart, David. And I spotted an article about a bigger business trend that maybe, uh, I think, is directly related to cloud accounting in the end. Uh, you may have heard that uh, two of our favorite apps went public this spring, Slack and Zoom. We are, user, we are users of Slack at the Cloud Accounting Podcast, right? And I know that tons of our listeners use Slack uh, in their firms and in their apps if you're, if you're a developer. And we've, uh, we use Zoom as well. And we use Zoom too, yeah, when we do video interviews. So uh, really great to see that both those apps go public and do really, really well. Slack uh, jumped something like 50% in its first day of trading in April. And Zoom um, didn't have the, quite that immediate bump, but is up something like three times over its IPO price since uh, since April. And so uh, this reporter, Heather Somerville, in the Wall Street Journal wrote an article calling out those two IPOs and a bunch of other ones, CrowdStrike Holdings, PagerDuty, um, some acquisitions, uh, Tableau Software acquired by Salesforce and Google buying Looker as examples of how business software, B2B software, is starting to gain a lot of enthusiasm in the investor community. And I've felt this way for a long time that business software, and it could be very not sexy business software, like accounting software, for example, is the next great frontier for all of these acquisitions and IPOs. So it's really neat to see that collaboration tools like Slack and Zoom, which are very general purpose, are doing well. Because I think maybe the next thing is these niche applications going public and, and doing really, really well. That'll be interesting to watch. And you're probably correct, because I imagine the the consumer rush of tech, right? Social media, all that stuff, those types of things. If you, I, th- I think I've saw some crazy stats now. Like if you search for apps on like the app stores, yeah, the, the top 80 of the hundred are basically four companies. And so you're right. Yeah, the like consolidation, Facebook, Google, uh, <laughs> Amazon, Microsoft, I Amazon, think. Microsoft. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, is this, uh, the opportunity and the upside now is business to business software. Yep. That's the, that's the new frontier. So if you are an investor, right. And you are listening to us to try and find out like, what's the next great frontier. I'll tell you. It's cloud accounting. It's it's back office uh, systems that you know have been ignored in favor of all these like sales and marketing apps, right? Like every sales and team, every marketing team, you've got dozens and dozens of tools to choose from to manage your uh, sales and marketing efforts, right? And like developers and programmers, engineers, they've got God, like they've got the most because of course they develop their you know, stuff to help themselves first, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, but you know. Accounting, finance, it's like you, you look at how many apps are available for small businesses, medium businesses. It's just like like hardly anything by comparison. So um, we are at the, you know, even though cloud accounting has been going on for like 10 years now, we are at, this, we, this was something we talked about with the, the two Jamies of HubDoc, right, at ZeroCon. It's like we are still at the very beginning of this massive explosion in uh, quality and quantity of, of back office business software. Fully agree. Yeah. So speaking of trends that might be coming or not coming, uh, have you heard about Libra from Uh, Facebook? This is the Facebook cryptocurrency, right? 
Correct. Uh, so other than that, Facebook is getting into cryptocurrency. I don't know much else about it. I'm I'm very skeptical about it. Maybe you can change my mind on that. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I, so I would argue whatever uh, eight days ago because I and I listened driving home from ZeroCon from San Diego to Tucson. It's about a seven hour drive, and I listened to like three podcasts on it. And this is after basically the news broke. And so for the first three or four days, like. Libra, Facebook Libra is going to change the world. It's so important. And then nobody's talked about it since. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> the best I can. I, I the best I can uh, make it out is it sounds like it's more of a payments play. And it's going to let people really as, as a medium for like transferring money overseas. Right. And, and so they're, they're kind of it's a, it's a payments play. And that's why I think people like PayPal are involved, because if PayPal is not involved, they're giving a chance for Facebook just to steal all that business. Like you'll yeah. have a Libra button on your website. Right. Um, but then I think they're go- like, they're also going after that same space. Veeam's going after that international money transfer game. Yeah. The remittances world, right. That's the other word I hear used for it. That makes so much sense because with the entire world on Facebook, pretty much if you want to send money across borders, like Facebook is the social network that crosses every border. It seems like so. And, and um, I wish I was, there was what, more on this. Well, my question is like, why do they need to use blockchain for it? Right. I, I guess it's so that they can have other partners on their payments platform rather than just Facebook managing it. The, but I still haven't like heard anyone say like, why is it necessary for this to be a cryptocurrency? And I like, think that's where like, I'm at on this, right? Is it's, yeah. there's even listening to the interviews, you start to realize like there's just lots of speculation on what this is still. Yeah. And nobody really knows yet. It's kind of a paper was written and then everybody just started running. Yeah. Well, and Facebook has, despite all of their privacy issues, they still had their most profitable quarter ever, I think, in Q1, right? And so, you know, I'm skeptical of Libra just simply from the fact that I personally would not use it because I don't want Facebook knowing that much about me. Right? I try to minimize the amount of stuff I put on Facebook these days from a personal standpoint because, I, I you know, like I can't trust them to, to, you know, secure my data and not sell it to a firm like Cambridge Analytica. But maybe they'll maybe that's not an issue and they'll be able to, you know, figure it out. I actually got a pop up on Facebook recently, which I tweeted out. They surveyed me, but it wasn't like a typical NPS, you know, net promoter score survey where you say, how do you like Facebook from zero to 10? It was, do you think I'm paraphrasing? Do you think that Facebook has its users best interests in mind or something like that? And it was like, strongly agree as well. Yeah, yeah, I think. And I'm like, the fact that you as a company have to survey your users to find out if they trust you is a sign, right? That something is deeply wrong. My thing is they probably already know the answer. <laughs> they don't even need to survey you. Well, they probably have the data enough to know whether you believe it or not, just based on your, your patterns and behaviors. I was about to answer no. And then I stopped myself and I'm like, I don't know if I want them to know that I don't trust them because what might they do with that, <laughs> right? <laughs> like if, if they're going to punish any of their users, it would probably be the ones that don't trust them, right? You're just going to get uh, a bunch of invites to these silly games and that's it. Yeah. That's all you ever see in your Facebook feed. Yeah. So I don't even trust Facebook enough to like tell them the honest answer to their survey question, you know? So, so I, and I don't know. So what's, what's your take? Should people, our, our listeners, accounts and bookkeepers, should they be like, Hey, I got to pay attention to Libra or should they just wait till it actually shows up on market, then pay attention to it? Yeah. I wouldn't bother like worrying about it, but I mean, if it does show up, I guarantee you, you'll have customers starting to pay with it. So got to figure, we got to figure out how do we, you record all those transactions. And that'll be actually a nightmare for bookkeepers and accountants because we still don't have guidance from the IRS 
uh, as to how exactly to track all of these transactions. You know, the IRS views uh, cryptocurrency as uh, an asset, not a currency. So you have to track all the gains and losses. Of course, if it does get popular, it's going to just stimulate this uh, app economy around tracking the gains and losses from cryptocurrency, which I think we've covered one of them that does that in the past where you can just import your wallet and then it gives you all those, you know, those numbers. And so I guess, so what makes this different, I think, than other currencies, and I'm going to use the word currency broadly. If I put money in my Starbucks card, right? Yeah. It's in my Starbucks app. That's my Starbucks currency. And I can do the same with Amazon, right? I can I can uh, add credits to my Amazon account. But right. I think what the difference is, the theory with Libra is once I have that in my account, I could use that to pay for things, but I can also use it to transfer to other individuals in the Facebook universe. Right. Right. And that's where I think it can be. But if I and Amazon like have gift card points or whatever you want to call them, Facebook, or I mean, sorry, Amazon bucks, I can't use those to give them to you. I got to put new cash in if I want to issue right. you a gift card. And so maybe that's the the big difference between everybody else's uh, Amazon has coins, right? Well, uh, I, my Starbucks bucks, yeah. like, like, but I can't give those to other people. So I know that in parts of Africa where they don't really have banking systems, the way they transfer money is often with phone cards, prepaid like phone cards. Yes. And you can load them up and transfer the the money and stuff like that. So, this, you know, but the difference between this is this is more than that because there's a cryptocurrency behind it. So theoretically, if like Facebook went down, I, well, I actually don't know how that would work because it's not a public uh, blockchain, right? But I mean, theoretically, it would be able to survive even if the network wasn't up, right? Because it's its own network. I'm I'm... I don't know. We're all speculating. We have no idea. That's correct. We, none of us know. So, so I, yeah. I, I we hear more, I, I'm not really going to pay much attention. Yes. Uh, what else do you have? So I mentioned Zoom earlier and their crazy valuation or their crazy stock price uh, going up you know, three times over their IPO price. I have a survey that has to do about video conferencing from uh, one of my favorite publications that has these crazy surveys, CPA Trendlines. The survey uh, was asking firms, uh, how many of you use video conferencing? And the answer was, unfortunately, 47%, less than half of firms are using video conferencing right now. So that's, I'm going to tie this back to QuickBooks Live and yeah. TurboTax Live, right? I think a lot of small businesses want this. They, they, they want, uh, or even consumers, they want to have a video conference Oh, yeah. They're a doctor, right? Consumers and small businesses want this technology. They're demanding it from companies like Intuit. And accounting firms are not even offering video conferencing. They're not even giving people this option. You have to like, you can either call your accountant on the phone or you can go into the office. Like this was one of the big differentiators with my firm was you didn't have to meet me in person. Uh, We could chat on Zoom and my customers loved it. They absolutely loved it because, and even if they were local, you know, they would meet with me one time in LA locally. And then the rest of the time we would just video chat because it was too much of a hassle to go across town because it would take an hour. So the fact that, I mean, I, the, the title of the survey is nearly half of firms use video conferencing, but if this is a glass half full or half empty thing, I mean, I'm on the half empty side because it's crazy that you're not using video conferencing when it is such a mature product right now, like zoom, for instance. And the firms are using like old stuff like Microsoft Skype is 28% of those who do use video chat go to meeting 6% life size. I don't even know what life size is. Got 3%. Zoom isn't even on the list. And Zoom is the best video conferencing available for small businesses, as far as I can tell. 
long way to go, right? And this, and like you said, the reason that QuickBooks Live, the reason Intuit and Rich Priest are doing QuickBooks Live is because of customer demand because they want this and accountants aren't giving it to them. Yeah, and that headline's bad because the headline's very optimistic. Like nearly half are using video conferencing <laughs> and it really should be like over 60% fail at using video conferencing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it's kind of shocking to see that. Oh, okay. So and th- there's another chart. Uh, also on CPA Trendlines, which uh, lists out in more detail the apps that people are using. Um, GoToMeeting is there. It's a 17... GoToMeeting's at 80, 18% here. Uh, like 18% of firms are using GoToMeeting, but I think that maybe they're not using it with their clients. So like they're using it internally. Uh, otherwise, the numbers would be higher on the other chart. They're not quite adding up for me. Uh, or maybe they're using it... Um, go to webinar and they're doing webinars with it and they're just... It yeah. just gets lumped together because nobody knows one difference between the other product. So 17% are using Skype, um, 6% are using Zoom, Cisco WebEx, 5%, JoinMe, 2%, Google Hangouts, 1%. So yeah, long, long way to go. And I, probably like QuickBooks Live will you know, hopefully drive more firms to start using uh, video chat. But if you are using it uh, and you're listening, you are ahead of uh, half of the firms in this country. And if you are using it you, and you're building out your pricing page, probably wise to list that as one of the benefits of the services you provide. Yes, video chat. Yeah, exactly. And we don't even, actually, if, if you've been doing it for a while, you might not even think of that as a differentiator, but it's a huge differentiator. So that great point, David. Yeah, there you go. It's awesome. There's the, there's the benefit for today. Your, your tip to take away. Closing the books is a manual, air-prone, and time-consuming process. In fact, 82% of accountants find the month-end close to be a negative experience, 78% report having to reopen the books, and 3 out of 4 say they're not confident in their close. Meanwhile, management wants numbers faster than ever, and investor scrutiny on financial reports has only increased. There has to be a better way than email, Excel checklists, and endless status update meetings. Flowcast was built by accountants for accountants to help them close faster and more accurately. It provides a a single place to manage the month-end close, aligning people, processes, and documents in one collaborative platform. The bottom line, teams relying on Flowcast on average close three days faster. Learn more at cloudaccountingpodcast.com slash Flowcast. That's F-L-O-Q-A-S-T. I got some more tech stories if you want. Yeah, yeah, jump um, in. So we are big fans of Gene Marks here at the podcast, and he occasionally does a series uh, on Accounting Today and some other publications called 10 Tech Stories You May Have Missed. This is from June 17th in Accounting Today. And I like number 10, which I wanted to call out. It is Google launches CallJoy. Google has introduced an app called CallJoy, a virtual customer service phone agent, and it's targeted directly at small businesses. Gene says, why is this important for your firm and your clients? You get calls, you provide service, your customers or clients need answers. CallJoy is supposed to help you do all of this in a very affordable manner. Something like $39 a month total. The system will offer a low-cost customer service agent to block spam calls and provide basic business information about your company. It will also redirect calls based on customer requests like appointment booking using text messaging too. CallJoy will also transcribe and record calls as well as storing them so you can search later. And I I called this out, David, because you actually predicted this. Uh, We weren't aware of this. And when we were talking about Google Duplex, that voice AI bot uh, that... Google developed, right, that can do outbound calls to like make appointments on behalf of business owners or, or just individuals. You said, hey, they're going to use this technology for businesses too. Like why, you actually said, I remember you said, why can't I, I want to use this technology like to answer the phone, right? To take the appointments. Yeah. And so that's what this seems to be. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting because it's, it's called, if you go to CallJoy's website, it's not 
Google. I mean, it's not branded by Google. So did Google make an acquisition here? Oh, um, um, it's an incubator. Uh, so Google is incubating Calljoy. Okay, got it, got it. So they have an investment in it and, and they're they're running. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So what's the price on this? Gene's story said it starts at thirty-nine bucks a month. Thirty-nine bucks a month per location. That's it. So you get a phone number with a local area code, unlimited call recording and transcripts, a voice agent. So it's a you know AI voice agent that will answer the phone and provide basic business information. So it's like having sort of an AI receptionist, and I could, I would, I would absolutely give this a try uh, if I were in practice because so much better than people just having to leave a voicemail if they can ask the assistant for you know information that you've programmed into it to give like standard responses, like really cool. Yeah, this this would be interesting if it's tied more into chat because if I have Calljoy and my some customers coming through there, but maybe on my website yeah. I have a chat product that ties back to my CRM or my chat product like is Intercom and it is my CRM. To some extent, I'm going to I'm not going to see a full picture of my communications with my customer. So it'd be interesting, interesting to see where this goes next. Yeah. Um, well, the thing that I like is the text back functionality. So you can using Calljoy, uh, what they call in the AI answers, it will uh, you can direct callers to place orders or schedule appointments online via instant SMS text message. So this is like when I was searching for the apartment. I remember I told you that story about how. I called and nobody answered, but it said, hey, if you want to book an appointment, it's best if we do it via, via SMS. If you want to do that, press one. And then I did. And they sent me a text message and I booked the appointment that way, which was way better than waiting for somebody to call me back. I think that's what this is. The other thing that's really interesting to me is this looks like it's off the shelf usable. Yeah. Like a small business owner or one of our listeners could sign up for this, configure it themselves and there's not yes. that big overhead of where you have this account executive who's going to call you up. They need to pull levers and tweak this for you. It looks like it's truly a real SaaS app where you just sign up for your trial and set it up yourself. For 39 bucks a month, it has to be, right? And I'm so excited because this is real like AI in use, helping business owners. Pretty slick. We should, uh, we should we try should, it we should for the podcast. Yeah, I, what, let's sign up. Let's create an account and uh, people can call in and leave voice messages or something like uh you know how they do that on um like marketplace right oh yeah people could ask a, a question and then we can yeah or if or if you spot a story yeah they could ask a question or if they spot a story um they could like share their story i think it would be fun hmm. yeah we'll have to give this a try it's an interesting cool. uh, tool i think uh accounting firms and small businesses could use calljoy.com um, what I have, I have something I think that's actually kind of cool for our small businesses and accountants and us as personal people as well. Sure. So everybody's, um, obviously there's Google Drive, there's Dropbox, there's all these services, right? And well, Microsoft has OneDrive and I actually like OneDrive a lot. It's it's really deeply, seamlessly integrated into Windows, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, it, my understanding is all the Microsoft stuff, and if you have Mac as well, Whatever, what device you pick up, all the Microsoft Office 365 stuff is really seamless, device to device to device. But they're launching something called Personal Vault, and it's kind of an added layer of security. So you'd have, an, you'd have a folder that's extra encrypted, right? And not only that, it's gonna, you can put extra two-factor authentication just on that folder. So oh. many times you have to like take a photo of your driver's license or your passport, or you have some, with a lot of two-factor authentication, they give you those 10 other codes Mm -hmm. They tell you to print yeah. out store somewhere and like, what are you supposed to do with this? You download this text <laughs> file. This could give you a place to put those in. And so it's a place that's super secure, but you don't need it unlocked all the time. You only need it unlocked once a month or 
when you actually need to go access it. So right. this is something that's rolling out. I tried to sign up, but I couldn't figure it out. It's because it's no, it's launching in Australia, New Zealand, and Canada as of we speak right now, and then other regions by the year end. Nice. Well, it's great to see them like trying to solve this problem of needing to have more some more information like in a more secured way rather than just yeah having everything synced to your desktop. Yeah, and then when it does sync down to your desktop, it's going to be stored in the BitLocker as well. So it's it's completely, it's almost like a siloed out, highly secure subdrive in your OneDrive. So speaking of Windows, uh, I've we've covered some security issues that Windows has had recently, mostly security gaps found in Windows Seven, Windows Eight, right? But now Windows Ten has uh, has an issue going on with it. There's a flaw in an app called PC Doctor Toolbox. It's a systems analysis software, which is rebadged and pre-installed on PCs made by some of the world's biggest computer retailers, including Dell, Alienware, Staples, Corsair. So if you have a computer from you know Dell, for instance, you should probably check and see if you have this app on it because you might want to uninstall it. This is like perfect example of you know what we would negatively call you know, bloatware. It's it's a tool that allows them to service your PC, but also apparently has a gap, a security breach in it. So there's a, the hackers have figured out how to, how to insert malicious code into this toolbox, and then it, they can access your PC remotely. So if you have a Dell computer, you've got to take a look at that, uh, make sure that you are updated. So it sounds like Dell put themselves at risk by not vetting out some app they're they're installing on PCs as they yeah. go out the door. Well, and yeah, this is the problem with um, you know the way that the whole Windows ecosystem works, which is like you have the Windows, the OEM Windows that Microsoft makes, which they are able to secure most of the time. But then you've got all these PC manufacturers that are adding on stuff after the fact, and that's the stuff that is you know less secure because you know, they're not doing as good a job as Microsoft. So the author of this article in um, Forbes. Uh, his name's uh, Gordon Kelly. Says the best practice is whenever you buy soft, whenever you buy a computer from Dell or any of these PC uh, makers, always get it without the bloatware. Or if it does come with that, is immediately reformat your hard drive and install Windows Fresh. And yeah, I've always been a install the OS Fresh kind of a guy. Yeah. In other news, I came across two podcasts that are interesting to listen to. One uh, came in via tweet, actually. Um, Ian Cook on Twitter. Ian Crook. Ian M. Crook. I-A-N-M-C-R-O-O-K. He came across a podcast called Reply All from Gimlet Media and essentially is a really highly produced summary of all the TurboTax live news that was out for the last six, seven, eight weeks that Blake and I talked about uh, ad nauseum here. But Uh, it's kind of a a dramatic listen to hear it all at once. In, in a very logical flow. And so that's uh, worth listening to. And the other podcast well, I heard was... That's oh, great because, David, we have a lot of new listeners, I know, that, that just discovered the show because of the conferences we were at. Um, and so, like, if you want to catch up on all this, you hear us talking about TurboTax Live and QuickBooks Live and um, uh, all that stuff. Uh, well, this is no, this is about TurboTax and, and, Free File, not Live. Free right? File, my yeah. bad. It's Turbo, Turbo, so, yeah, TurboTax so, Free File. So if you've heard us talking about TurboTax Free File and you're like, what is going on with this? Check this episode out of Reply All because it's, uh, it's got everything. And then um, the other one I listened to was uh, Planet Money. And it came out this week. And essentially, the reporter, this is an experience she actually had. She mistyped somebody's name on Venmo and sent money to somebody. So wrong Venmo. username on Venmo. Uh, instead of sending money to Stephen with an F, she sent it to Stephen with a PH. Correct. 
Or stealing with a V. I, I can't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. Whatever. So it was a typo, right? And then that guy got the money She and said, hey, I don't think this was for me. She asked for it back. He said, ah, go contact Venmo. He didn't give it, He didn't want to give it back right away. Yeah. So, so it kind of takes you through that journey of kind of how payments work, how refunds work, how merchants have chargebacks and how that works and yeah. that, that system. So it's, it's a good little uh, listen to just gain some knowledge in that space. Yeah. And I, I, it's really kind of, you got to be really careful with these new payment services like Venmo, uh, where it's not a, like a credit card, right? And you don't have that protection. And basically to kind of summarize this whole thing is the woman who sent the $1,500 to the wrong person, like Venmo refused to help. And uh, she was not able to get her money back through them. She had to do it through her bank by like blocking the ACH from Venmo from her bank. And then finally Venmo canceled it. There's a reason that people like credit cards because they've got that protection of those chargebacks. So, and, and this is also a problem with cryptocurrency, right? If you send money to the wrong person with Bitcoin or probably Facebook Libra too, you're not getting it back. There's no reverse button. And I think for, for any of those services to become really mainstream, like that's got to exist. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, as a consumer, why would I use it? I don't have that protection. So those two episodes that David highlighted, uh, it's the first one is Gimlet's Reply All. Reply All is the name of the podcast. It's episode 144 called Dark Pattern. That's about TurboTax Live and all the issues into it is had with that. And then the Planet Money episode, it's uh, 922 the cost of getting your money back. That's the title. Check those out. Great, um, great podcast to subscribe to. In addition to the Cloud Accounting Podcast, nine hundred and twenty-two episodes. That's impressive. Planet Money. Well, they do like they do like episodes every day. I think on Planet Planet Money. Yeah, pretty quick. That's yeah. true. That's true. We'll get we'll get there someday, David. We're working on we're working on it. If you get the editing done of all these interviews, you're promising. Oh yeah, I know. I know. I got I got homework to do. So I got a few more stories before we get to like, you've got a bunch of small app updates, right? Yeah, I got like a rapid app update I can run through, but let's jump through some years. So we'll finish up. I got a few more stories from conference season. So while we were at ZeroCon, the IMA, the Institute of Management Accountants, was having their conference in San Diego as well at a different uh, hotel. The IMA was celebrating its 100th year. Uh, the IMA issues the CMA, uh, Certified Management Accountant Certification. And there were some stats uh, announced at their event that I thought are worth drawing attention to, given that uh, we have recently discussed the value of the CPA license, uh, comparing that to the CMA. The CMA is growing pretty fast. In fiscal year 2019, the IMA had more than 100,000 CMA exam registrations, and their total number of CMA candidates is over, the new total number of CMA candidates is over 82,000. And that represents year-over-year -year growth of 32%. This year, they have more than 10,000 CMAs awarded, which represents year-over-year -year growth of 70%, which stands in pretty stark contrast to the CPA numbers, which is, have pretty much just stayed the same for the last 10 years or so. Putting some numbers behind that debate as to uh, which is the certification you want go to go for. And of course, if you really want to be a badass, you got to get both. So that's the news in the world of uh, CMA. There's also a story in Accounting Today called The State of Bookkeeping in 2019. This is a survey that Accounting Today did this year. It's their very first annual State of Bookkeeping survey. Pretty cool. They're finally, you know, we're finally talking about bookkeeping as its own thing and not just a sub product of the accounting profession. So nice to see that progress being made uh, as a, somebody who started out as a bookkeeper and kind of lives in that, that world of tech. Makes sense. Counting Today surveyed 
709 accountants, 74% of them reported offering bookkeeping. So a pretty big survey sample size. And there's a lot of stats in this article. I recommend you check it out. It'll be in the show notes. The stat at the very end was the most interesting to me, the one I want to call out. And it's titled The Geographic Reach of Bookkeeping Practices. So this is where these firms are offering bookkeeping. 42% are only offering bookkeeping at a local level. 14% go statewide. 17% go regional. 19% national. And 8% have clients that are in another country. So the 42% local, that actually, I hadn't thought about it until now, ties back to, I think, pretty well to that number of firms that are using video chat or not. So half of firms use video chat, half of firms don't use it. I'm going to guess that the half firms that don't use it are also only serving local clients. That makes sense. Right, which is 42%, right? So video conferencing is one of those tools, along with like all the other stuff, cloud accounting and cloud storage that allow you to serve clients anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, potentially. Uh, and that's a, like a big reason to go for it is that you're no longer limited to your local market in order to uh, provide bookkeeping, accounting tax services. And that, that was one of the cool things about uh, working with HPC, uh, which is now Aprio. That was, that was my firm. Um, it was, uh, I was with HPC. We had clients you know, all over the country, all over the world. We had a map of all of our hundreds of clients. And it was really, really fun to see. You know, there were a lot, of course, you know, concentrated in North America, South America. But then we had we had people like everywhere in China, you know, in uh, in Africa, even like in Europe. I mean, it was really neat. And that was all because of the video chat we did. Because, yeah, you use the technology to enable yeah. you to take clients anywhere. Yeah, it didn't the one matter. Thing that, the number I thought was interesting or the the chart was the average number of bookkeeping clients. And 23% had one to five clients, mm -hmm. which to me seems insanely low. Like how, how, do they, how are you keeping the doors open with numbers that low? Right. And then over yeah. on the, so, so, you, so and I, I see this and I'm like, oh, there's a bunch of people that need clients. Because yeah. I think the other answer ahead of that was one of the problems they have, 32% of them are saying finding new clients. So this is again, this uh, QuickBooks Live, like, playing that match, you know, giving mm -hmm. these people that had the additional capacity, because if you have five clients, you might have some additional capacity, I'm guessing. And these people, and they probably also have that problem of I'm not finding clients, right? Yep. And so jumping yep. in on my QuickBooks Live could help them take on, you know, temporary is not the right word, but taking on, um, what, what would you call those? Are these going to be QuickBooks Live engagements? Well, the client is owned by Intuit. Intuit. Yeah. So you are, as the bookkeeper uh, or as the QuickBooks Live bookkeeper, part of a, a pod. I'm going to use that term, right? A pod or okay. a team that serves uh, these clients. So Intuit is the firm, if you ask me, in this situation, because they're controlling the relationship and they are owning the billing and they are deciding what group you belong to, right? Like as much as Intuit, I think Rich would disagree if he were on the show right now. To me, it's into it. QuickBooks Live is the firm. Got it. So you're, you're really just picking up work. Right? I had five clients, but because I only have five clients, I have elbow room. So I'm going to spend 20 hours a week doing uh, QuickBooks Live to yeah. supplement my income. And then those small businesses um, will, will get some service. No, that's good. Or we were just talking about how you know, finding new clients is a challenge, right? Not only is it hard to find clients, it's also hard to find staff. Uh, and there was a survey cited in CPA Practice Advisor. The headline of this story is finding and hiring quality staff is a top challenge in 2019. It's based on a Paychex Pulse 
of HR survey that's in its third year. And there's one stat in particular that just struck me. That is, uh, this is a survey of HR professionals, by the way. Last year, 59% of HR leaders said it's difficult to find. It's probably difficult to fire them too, but it's also difficult to find and hire quality candidates. 57% said that last year. More than two-thirds said that this year. That is a huge jump going from 59% to you know over 67%, right? And this is not just in the accounting profession. This is just in the... Prof- it just everywhere. In everywhere. Yeah. In general, we are in the middle of a dramatic shift in this country where uh, boomers are retiring. There are not enough Gen Xers and millennials to take their jobs, and especially in highly, highly skilled professions. They just, they simply aren't, right? We don't have enough CPAs. We don't have enough accountants. We don't have enough bookkeepers. You know, and that's another argument, right? That Rich made uh, in that interview, which everyone should go listen to that David did, which is that, look, you know, there aren't enough bookkeepers and accountants to service all of these people. Uh, so that's why one reason Intuit is creating their own uh, bookkeeping service to go with QuickBooks. Yeah. I mean, I, and you're probably going to see more and more different people trying to solve this in different ways, right? Across the board is there, some of it's going to be AI, some of it's going to be um, outsourcing, some of it, uh, new business models, software, things we haven't even thought of, but something's going to have to give because the labor market is just too tight. Well, and, and what, what, what Rich said, I don't know if he said this in your interview with him, but he has said this previously, is that uh, he expects the source of QuickBooks Live bookkeepers to not actually be people working full-time for Intuit. It is going to be people who are underemployed right now, who are looking for part-time work, who have the skills to do the work, but for whatever reason are not full you know, time, interested in full-time work. So they're not looking to work in an accounting firm. They're just looking to pick up you know, 10 to 20 hours of work a week. And that is one way to increase the supply of bookkeepers with in a way that it doesn't steal from other firms necessarily right it, because intuit has the technology that allows these people just to jump in and work when they want to like uh, uber or lyft right uh, it's not like it's just giving people more options because if i'm an yeah. account or a bookkeeper 5 days a week at a firm and i want to make hey i want to make some extra money in the evenings yeah or or what's more like i likely, could drive for uber yeah. Or I could actually use my bookkeeping skills and do something like QuickBooks Live. Right. Or what's more likely is, let's say you're a, a I don't know, you were an accounting major who worked in a firm and then um, you stopped working to have kids. And so you, you don't want to go work at that firm because you're like, I don't, I don't want to work 60 hours a week, but you you have this, you want to do some some work on the side. You could sign up for QuickBooks Live and have like a very uh, easy situation, not having to commute. You, you know, your kids are, kids are at school, log in do some bookkeeping on your time. So those are the kind of people that are going to be brought back into the workplace, perhaps. That makes sense, which will help help that crunch a little bit. Uh, Should we jump into some quick app news? Yeah, let's just do the rundown. What's what's new and and updates and all that good stuff. So um, Pilot, which we've talked about, they're, they're, Again, in that that same model, right? It's it's uh, an accounting firm with technology in the similar vein of bookkeepers and scale factors, and that QuickBooks Live that that future model. So bookkeeping plus software or accounting plus software. Yeah, and I think actually Pilot's even doing tax as well. But they announced they're going to hire 450 people in Nashville. Oh, cool! I, I love Nashville. I got to go there last year. Yeah, it, it, it's it's one of my favorite cities for food as well. But they um, so it just shows like 
they wouldn't be adding 450 jobs if they weren't seeing some sort of demand on their side. It's yep. really speaking to this is what consumers want. They want this books and tax for one some monthly price, um, et cetera. Uh, that was news. Um, Plaid, we've talked about Plaid before. A lot of uh, it's bank feeds, right? You, it, a lot of people are using Plaid. They don't know they're using Plaid. So they, they uh, aggregate feeds from banks and then resell those to apps, right? Right. So, so you're in an app and it's like, hey, add your bank and you click a button and then it has Bank of America. You put in your username and password and then it pulls that data in. Right. Yep. And that so, so they're doing that. But they're we talked about them recently because they just had another big round and they have a two point six five billion dollar valuation. But one of their uh, founders is leaving. Oh, so hmm. that's uh interesting news. If you're interested in that to, to read up on that. Well, you know, uh, that. Not not terribly surprising as I've been more in the world of startups. I know that as a company grows, like the the people who originally founded it, you know, sometimes they're not the best fit to lead it when they get really big, which makes sense, right? If you're if you're really good at leading a you know twenty five person company, are you necessarily do you necessarily have the skills to lead a two hundred fifty person or a two thousand person company? Yep, because he's he's more the technical founder and yeah. yeah. So he'll still be on the board. He's still going to advise, etc. Um, Scubana. So Scubana, probably people have never heard of. But do you remember a few years back when QuickBooks ran a Super Bowl commercial for a small business? Uh, yeah, years they ago? won it. Right, it was a contest, and you could win the ad. Yeah, and it was um, Death Wish Coffee. Yes, Death Wish Coffee e-commerce seller of coffee overnight had to deal with, they went from a teeny <laughs> coffee place to a major e-commerce reseller. Right. right. And so yeah. one of the apps that early on they started to adopt and use was this app called Scubana and they've kind of been flopping around and they've been around, but they just raised uh, 5.4 million to really take that app to the next level as well. So it's just a interesting news that was out there. Uh, so wait, um, tell what does Scubana do? I'm trying to figure it out. It's it's e-commerce <sighs> operation software. So like what, like shipping out packages and inventory uh, and stuff. And so everybody, as you, as you go, as you grow, right. E-commerce becomes this like nine headed monster. And eventually you get to the point where you cannot manage all the e-commerce systems and data and the stores that you're listed on. And Scubana kind of tries to bring all that into one hub. Oh, got it. That got it. Yeah. And so, so their expertise and the founder's expertise is the e-commerce space. And so it was really uh, created out of, it wasn't like software guys that are like, hey, we should build something for e-commerce. It's like e-commerce guys that are suffering the pain creating mm-hmm. Scubana. And they're cool. in the other direction. Got it. Uh, Thompson Reuters is now going to acquire uh, audit software confirmation. So that's confirmation.com, right? I've, I feel like I've heard about them uh, in the past. They're a SaaS-based startup. So they're fairly yeah. a newer app. Um, and now confirmation, though, I think had they, they're an older company, but I think they had a newer, like a SaaS app. Yeah. So they do audit confirmation. So I'm an auditor. And I need to do bank confirmations to, you know, find out, hey, uh, did these transactions really happen? So normally I would type out a letter, send it to the bank and wait until I got a response. But this is an online way to do those confirmations to say, hey, this did this wire really happen? And then the bank gets back and says, yes. Yeah. Cool. And oh, they're doing all sorts of stuff. Legal confirmations, accounts receivable, payable confirmations, employee benefit plan confirmations. Wait, so what's the... Oh, so Thompson Reuters acquired them. That's the news. Got it. That's the news, yep. yep. Um, Fluidly, which is another uh, cash forecasting type app. They're out of uh, the UK. They just uh, received uh, 5 million funding um, from from a competition from the... 5 million um, pounds, right? Pounds, sorry. Yeah. Um, From RBS, which is Royal Bank of Scotland, correct? Yes. To unlock uh, 
quote unquote, funding to unlock AI for small businesses. All right. Another uh, AI startup. Only thing that I thought was kind of interesting in this article is that they plan to have 400,000 small businesses on this by 2020, in 2020. For, uh, and, <laughs> that's a little ambitious. I, I, I think it's very, very ambitious. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, by September 2022. Oh, okay. Still ambitious. But it's super ambitious because you really, no. if you think about like somebody like Zero, who's been in the US marketplace now for what, eight years, nine years? And they're at about two hundred thousand, right? They, from a, for for an app that adds on to accounting systems, four hundred thousand yeah. is a gigantic number. If they have forty thousand by twenty twenty two, I think they'll be popping champagne. So it's just I thought that was a very very hugely aggressive number. You want to raise money, you got to add a few zeros to that number, right? Yeah, and, and um, we'll see where this goes. So it's a cash flow uh, forecasting app. Hopefully, they're using it for themselves and you know tracking that four hundred thousand future users. <laughs> uh, and then. Uh, Two more quick ones. Uh, Acumatica, which is a cloud-based ERP system. We've talked about this a lot, right? Mm-hmm. This enterprise-level ERP systems. They got uh, purchased by a private equity firm. And uh, the focus is really to go big and go after Oracle and Microsoft. That's the, good. Uh, yeah. The, the big end game on the ERP side. And then uh, FreshBooks has added retainers to help um, recurring revenue. So yeah. lawyers could use this. If you're an accountant and you're, you're billing monthly, you could use this uh, to... Uh, handle those fees. So this is great because uh, when I was, when I just started out bookkeeping, freelancing, just me, I was using FreshBooks and I, I used it because they had that integrated time tracking and invoicing and that's what I really needed. But one of the problems I had was I, I would collect retainers from my clients sometimes, but then I would not have a really a good way to track when I was had used them up. And some a lot of times I would go over on my billings before I had used up the retainer and then I'd have, you know, I'd be behind, right? I would be owed money, which I didn't want. So I think, I'm not sure exactly how this works, but I feel like uh, because it is automated, the idea is you can set a, a particular retainer amount and then when you when you use it up, it just automatically bills the client for the next retainer. That's super cool. And it's interesting because FreshBooks historically has been really, uh, yeah, track my time on a bill for it. Track my time on a bill for it. Right, I mean, that's right, FreshBooks' yeah. sweet spot of customer base. And so I'm sure they've probably had a, I imagine this is a feature that's their, their customer base has probably wanted for a long time. Like, hey, I'm going to provide this service for somebody quarterly or monthly, and yeah. I just want to put them on a retainer. And so uh, it, it, it sounds like it's a good fit for the FreshBook space. That's it. That's all we got this week, right? Yeah, that's it. And uh, next week's a holiday week. We'll still record a show, but I expect the news to maybe it'll be a, a nice short and sweet week of uh, not a lot of volume. As always, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Blake T. Oliver. How about you, David? I'm at David Leary. And if you like what you hear... Do us a favor and write a review on iTunes. Not only does it help the Cloud Accounting Podcast get out to all the accountants that need to be hearing this show, we will read your review on the show. You get to be famous. Uh, And with that, David, I guess I'll uh, see you next week. Later, everybody. Bye. Happy 4th of July. You too. Bye. Bye.